We're joined by Annabelle Lee from Malaysia Kini today who will give us her professional opinion on some of our latest local news pieces. Thank you so much, Annabelle, for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Now, let's address this public service announcements that were released by the Women's Ministry. Now, some netizens are calling these reminders for women archaic. As a woman, Annabelle, do you agree? Okay, I don't agree, of course, with the advice. Not simply because they are, you know, archaic, as people are calling them. But I think they seem to, you know, reinforce all these gender roles that a lot of women have moved past. I think a lot of people, not just women, men have also have moved past a lot of these very old-fashioned gender roles that reinforce that women are meant to uh, take care of the house and if they need any help, they got to ask for it. And this is coming from a ministry that is supposed to have women's interests at heart, right? This is a ministry that's supposed to protect women's interests. So it comes off really tone-deaf and I think we've seen the memes, we've seen the tweets, We've seen the criticism that has come out in response to this. So even the women's ministry has also apologized. I guess they didn't think it through before they actually posted it up on their social media sites. But what do you think are the main intentions for these announcements? So the ministry did explain, you know, that they wanted to give some tips. You know, they've been doing this for, you know, the past 14 days. If you look at their Instagram every day, they put out some tips on how women can have a more enjoyable MCO, which I appreciate. But... I think, you know, and this has been mentioned by a lot of women's groups and also NGOs and activists, that when you come up with, you know, this sort of tips, on one hand, the tips are problematic, right? And I think we have enough criticism to talk about what is wrong with the whole advice of sounding like Doraemon and trying to cajole your husband to help you and without being, we are offending him when, you know, that should be equal, you know, everyone should be doing them. I mean, those are the quality of the tips, right? The makeup and everything. But also for such tips to come out at a time where so many women are, first of all, they're concerned about their jobs whether they can even keep their jobs after this MCO because so many businesses are struggling so that's number one a lot of women are facing that issue number two whether they can even put food on the table for a lot of women who work daily jobs or for a lot of women who work a very kind of precarious jobs that right now are totally under threat right now that is another thing that women are facing these are realities on the ground and the third thing is domestic violence so we have WAO saying they have received a lot more calls right right now when um, a lot of domestic violence um, survive Survivors are living or have to have no choice. You know, they have to live with, you know, oftentimes the person who is abusing them. So these are the three kind of realities a lot of women are facing. And rather than talk about makeup or, or you know, cartoon characters, perhaps tips that address those issues. So what women need right now. So that was what a lot of women groups were talking about. So the, the quality of the tips, but also the timing of these tips. Is this what women need right now or do they need something else? So we're now on our second phase of M. MCO with more stringent rules and now we're even limited to traveling only 10 kilometers away from our home, right? What do you think about these new sets of enforced rules? Do you think that they are practical? I actually think they're practical. I mean, 10km gives a very clear kind of, this is how far you can travel. No 11, no 12, 10km. And I think on one hand, it allows people to plan their shopping trips better. Like, okay, I can only go within 10km. Where can I go? You know, I would assume, and I this is assuming, that within 10km is quite far. And I think you can get quite a lot of things within 10km if you're just buying basic things. But also it helps the enforcement side, right? It helps the police and who are, you know, setting up all these roadblocks when they tell you how far is too far how far is too near 10km is good measure for that and it allows them to be able to you know enforce the rules better so I think it actually helps them enforce this whole stay at home rule only go out for essential services essential things rule and 
prevents any loopholes. You know, people can argue themselves out of it. But 10 km is 10 km. It just helps enforcement to be more clear cut. You know. Why only one person per car? Doesn't it make more sense to have two people in a car than you don't have a traffic jam in a, in a supermarket parking area? A lot of people are saying it's not practical. Okay. What do you think of that? Yeah. So the one person one rule is another rule, right? You can imagine the thinking behind it is they don't want people to crowd out all these areas. And to be honest, with the traffic jams is because of the roadblocks. And from one house, especially when you have a car, you can one person is actually enough to load up the trolley or whatever it is to buy food for for the whole family. So personally, I feel like one person one car as a rule is good. So you don't have a whole family going out because they want to get out of the house. I mean, of course we understand that, but that's exactly what they do not want. It's inconvenient, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the police, if you're able to explain to them why you need two people, let's say if you're bringing your elderly parent to see the doctor, you can explain that, and if you have valid reasons, they will allow you. But if it's a whole family going out for a trip to the supermarket, then they of course cannot allow that, and I totally understand that. So I think it's meant to make enforcement a bit more clear cut and not so many loopholes. Yeah, I mean for the enforcement as well. I mean it is the first time they're doing something like this on a national scale. Maybe have never had something like this before, not in recent times. So I think they are also kind of learning how to put in place these sort of small rules to help them enforce it better. And the goal is of course to flatten the curve. And so that's why I think they are coming up with rules like as we go. Why didn't they come up with these rules earlier and only implement it this time around, the second phase of the MCO? So of course it's confusing, right? I mean, the new rules every two days, and it's hard to keep up. But you know, I also understand it from enforcement side, which is they are crafting these rules as they go because these rules are in response to what is actually happening, right? So when they first started, perhaps they thought that people would just stay home, but you know, maybe a lot of people are not now. You know, so they got to put in all these new rules as we go to to make it easier for them to enforce the rules because there's so many gray areas, right? You know, so really so many gray areas. So I understand that it's confusing, but also I understand that the authorities are trying to create rules that respond to what the enforcement side, what they need to be able to really help us get to the goal of, of flattening the curve. So yes, it's both sides. So I think the key to this is um, rather than they just allow this to happen for two weeks, I actually personally prefer that they try to improve it as we go to see how we are doing to ensure you know more compliance. So this article actually showed that our COVID-19 curve here in Malaysia is actually flattening, according to our health director general. So how effective do you think this MCO have been if the current rate of recovery for COVID-19 patient is only at 22%? Well, recovery rate basically means how many patients have recovered out of all these patients who have the virus. So Malaysia's at 22%, meaning for every say 100 people infected, 22 people will recover. Our death rate is actually a lot lower than that. We are only at 1.55%, which is of course good, and we want to bring it down more. Meaning for every 100 people infected, one and a half of people, you know, will die. It's low, as in for death rates, it's low. But it's not the lowest in the world. For recovery rates, I think because things are changing so fast, I think South Korea has the best recovery rate or something, 45%. I don't know if it's changed by now. But I think the idea with the MCO is to, you know, the infections are going to happen, and the MCO buys time for the the public healthcare system. To be able to prepare for any spikes in cases, you can't change what has already happened. You know, you can't change that people met at a religious event. You can't change that. The concern now is that all these Malaysians who went home during the first or the night before the the MCO that is a concern right now. So you can't change that. But by enforcing something like an MCO, you can delay the effects and perhaps give the authorities more time to not only test everyone but also to look for these targeted groups and then put something like an enforced MCO to really. 
really make sure if it spreads, it doesn't spread that far and they can handle it well. Because when you have targeted measures like this, it allows them to make sure there's no more spikes. But if you go back to the rates again, well, technically for the past few days, the cases have been increasing, but at 100, 150, maximum 200 cases per day, which is, um, you know, according to the Director General, uh, manageable at this point. But if they do start to spike 1,000, 2,000, we don't see that yet. But then if this MCO buys, once again, buys them time to be able to pair for that. I think Italy didn't have that luxury. You know, it yeah. just came and then they had to scramble. Now we have, we are much more prepared. You know, we have like thousands of beds, empty beds, you know, ready for, for whatever that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, they have all these, they, they're recruiting all these retired doctors and retired nurses, you know, medical officers that just graduated. They're getting them on board as well. So it just buys us time to be able to deal with any, you know, wave that comes, any tsunami that comes. How close do you think we are to flattening the curve? Or can we ever in this next few weeks? Yeah, our cases have been increasing 100, 200 per day, you know, not more than 200 plus, I think. And projection by, I think, World Health Organization just came up with it today. We have some economists who projected the peak will be mid-April and some say 6,500 cases, some say 8,000 cases. We are at almost 3,000 right now. So if it goes up 1, 200 a day we will I don't think we will get to 6,000 mm. we'll see today right today will be the two week mark from the 17th and see whether the you know the mass balik kampung you know exodus whether that actually affected anything flattening the curve I don't know if it's flat yet but we're definitely plateauing that's good hopefully that continues and hopefully this gives the system more time to make sure we don't hit that 6,000 8,000 with Selangor and other cities in Malaysia already cancelling Bazaar Ramadan for this year amidst MCO and also COVID-19. Do you think our focus should be more on keeping people at home to help flatten the curve as opposed to what the FT minister proposed to work out details on how to execute an online or a drive-through Bazaar Ramadan? The two ways about this. Of course, we want to keep people safe. But on the other hand, Ramadan or Bazaar Ramadan is when a lot of SMEs can do business. And I imagine that he, uh, you know, the minister is thinking about how can we ensure that these businesses have business during mm. this very crucial time for them before Raya, right? But also, how do we keep everyone safe? You know, I think he, he's definitely considering that as well. In all things, you have to strike a balance. you got to protect it to a certain degree, but also how do you also protect the businesses or help the businesses? I mean, personally, of course, I'll miss the Bazaar Ramadan, but I'm not opposed to online sales or if, you know, food delivery kind of helps deliver food to people who need it. Because we don't know how things will happen in terms of work from home and all that. But I imagine many families will also need some help with food because they will be having to work and also having to cook for their families. And this is everyone's at home. And I'm sure there's a lot to deal with as well. I'm sure families will need the added help to deliver food or to buy food from outside. You know, a lot of, yeah, there's been a lot of families who are also fasting. I think it's okay that, that he's trying to figure out where do we strike this balance? How do we protect everyone, but also help businesses uh, and sure give them some income. Many of them are already struggling right now uh, during the MCO. So how do we maybe use you know Ramadan to help them so yeah I think there is room for some striking the balance here that is of course if MCO has already been lifted before Ramadan starts right yeah, yeah. but what if we continue if, if MCO is extended yeah then then I guess people have to start to get innovative about how they want to market their products and um, you know I imagine the government would need to help them by setting up a platform or some sort of um, platform where people can go to to access food 
and access and also help the vendors to get online and get a lot of these you know SMEs or micro SMEs need help to get online and you know I guess get acquainted with e-wallets or, or you know online payments or something like that so yeah. if it is you know we are under extended M- MCO which the government has not announced by the way um, then on both sides we've got to help people access platforms where they can get food to help the SMEs but also to help SMEs or micro enterprises to, to get online right yeah. or get to these platforms where they can also market their products um, that will only be fair yeah or else you know the people who will benefit from kind of online sales during Ramadan will be people who are already on online platforms and not really helping those that are disconnected you know you have the whole digital divide yeah cut that disparity this one is quite disturbing because apparently we've had a lot of dengue cases being reported in malaysia as well so it's not just covid19 now it's also dengue but are we so worried about covid19 that we are forgetting about pre that we are forgetting about precautions for other illnesses like dengue and influenza Okay, so yeah, I read this too and I was very surprised at the numbers. I guess people are staying home more so they're more exposed to environments where uh, perhaps the mosquitoes are. But yes, I think since we're at home, if we have more time, then it's a good idea, I guess, a good time to, to clean out the areas to make sure that you are actually protected against mosquitoes as well as COVID, as well as all sorts of things. Yeah, I, I think it's... As if we don't have enough things to worry about, right? <laughs> suddenly, I know, I know. Like, we were all thinking about COVID, COVID, COVID and then suddenly I'm like, oh no, mosquitoes, the 80s mosquitoes we have to kill them we have to clean the areas around our house we have to spray bug spray on our kids before they go out the fact that that dengue is also on the rise and we have covid my concern is also about the the hospitals and how they're able to cope everyone's so busy with covid right now that this might compromise their ability to deal with an influx of dengue cases you know Mm -hmm. if if they are so yes i guess precautions are important you know make sure you don't have any water lying around when it comes to mosquitoes like this so i think precautions on one side enforcement on one side but also whether the hospitals can cope with any spike in other cases can they even handle so i think this is a concern people have to take precautions i mean everybody knows the precautions when it comes to ADs and, and, and dengue and i think the whole idea is to call your local council to come and do some fogging if they can i think that's important